The following is a paid commercial program. Unless otherwise identified, the guests on the program are employees of or otherwise represent the advertiser. The opinions expressed therein are those of the advertiser and do not necessarily reflect the views and policies of Chorus Entertainment. This is Hi-Fi Radio with Wolfgang Klein and Jack Hardell. Toronto's News, today's talk, 640 Toronto. Well, good evening, my friends. It is the weekend. Thank goodness I... I needed it. Uh, it's been a tough week. Challenging year, um, but, you know, life is good. And uh got to pick yourself up every now and then. Uh, you know, it's just noise. Uh, I shall say when you work on Bay Street or Wall Street and things don't always go your way. And, uh, you know, when they sort of go against you, uh, it, it bothers you. Uh, but uh, big picture, uh, lower left to upper right as the charts and the chartists would say, again, I'm Wolfgang Klein. I'm a money manager. I help people build wealth. And once you have the wealth, you want to hang on to it and keep it. And once you enter retirement, you want to harvest it. So we help people build it, hold on to it, and harvest it. And then give it away. A little red hot chili peppers coming your way. Jack Hartle, by my side, he's a portfolio manager as well. And so the beauty here is when people hire the Wolf on Bay Street, they actually have two portfolio managers working for them for the price of one. It's a bargain. Uh, maybe Tesla is a bargain. Stocksman, uh, I'll be dramatic. Annihilated. Nah, not annihilated. Just retreating somewhat. Uh, the options market, fascinating enough. Jack, you did some good work for me uh, digging into uh, the history of the option trading around Tesla. Uh in and around earnings season. And uh, the option market predicted that Tesla would move either direction, up or down, by about 9% coming out of earnings. And sure as it did, uh, down, unfortunately, uh, some 7%. Uh, I'm going to be speaking with uh, an analyst, George Generikis. Uh, he covers Tesla, plus a bunch of other sustainability stocks. Uh, he's been on the show many times. Good guy. Going to have some fun. Uh, try to entertain you a little bit and teach you about money and becoming financially independent. Uh, so hang out with us a little bit. And, of course, we're going to weave in some cool tunes appropriate for the moment. Uh, George, Generikis analyst, I want to ask you a question uh, about being an analyst. Um, if you're, the Analysts look at income statements and balance sheets, and you're, you do what's called fundamental analysis on a company. Um, what I do as a portfolio manager is I actually try to listen to the market. And part of that is looking at charts and price action. Um, it, it's very, very rare to come across an analyst who will also talk technical. Um, but I have to ask you, George, uh, what is it that you, why is it analysts won't look at the technical side of uh, stock analysis? Why do they just focus on the income statement, the balance sheet, and the growth trajectory, and the and the amount of leverage, and the gross margins, and the ratios, and all that good stuff, but not the actual price action of the stock? Um, I mean, look, I, I think in essence, when we look at the multiples that we apply to our stock, and the different ways to, the different methods through which we apply those multiples, right? So in Tesla's case, for example, um, We've decided to take a, a group of stocks we, we call the MAN group, M-M-A-A-A-N, and that includes some of the very large tech, tech companies in the world, Meta, Microsoft, Apple, Amazon, um, et cetera, NVIDIA. 
And so to a certain extent, while we don't look at the charts, when we, we look at the relative multiple, it kind of sort of is looking at the charts, right? So it's just a backwards way of doing it or a, or a, another way of doing it because if the, if those, if the price action of those relative companies uh, is poor, then that will get reflected in the multiples, which will then get reflected in the price target that we put on Tesla. So um, – in, in, a, in a roundabout way, we are looking at price action, too. Uh, it's reflected differently. It's just a different, a different way of viewing it. You know, the markets uh, and the, the way the market prices itself, I think, let's be frank, the stock market is a market of companies, uh, if we want to be uh, holistic about it. And uh, you never forget, when you're buying a stock, you're actually buying ownership and partnership in that company. So Elon Musk works for me. Um uh, in a pure sense, because I own a little bit of his company. <laughs> Not as much as he does, but I own a little bit of it. Uh, and, well, he's got a report back to me. And he just did on his, uh, I guess, quarterly analyst uh, call. Uh, so you tune into the analyst calls uh, when the uh, lead man or woman uh, of the company uh, shares with you their views on the present and future uh, quarters to be. Uh, what came of the call uh, with Tesla and Elon? Well, you know, um, I, I have to say that, you know, it was certainly a more subdued tone than I've heard <laughs> in the past. And I've listened to many, many, many. Of That's a calls. drag. That's a total drag. It no, was, it was so he, drag. he didn't entertain you. No, nothing to get it uh, giddy about and scratch your head and say, what the? And, and you know, and I, I honestly, I look forward to those calls every every quarter. I bet. It's a special event. Yeah. You know, it's, uh, it's, they're fun. I mean, he's called analysts like me who ask questions on it. Morons and <laughs> accuse them of asking boring questions. So you always have to kind of gird yourself, make sure that you don't ask something that's going to upset him. Just because <laughs> he's called a moron by the richest man in the world. Um, you know, it, it's kind of. That'd be okay. I'd keep that on tape. I, I guess. I, I'd repeat that a few <laughs> times. You know, ladies and gentlemen, Wolfgang Klein. First, let me just tell you what Elon thinks of me. Moron. Moron. <laughs> Moron. It would be that'd be pretty funny. Be hard. I wouldn't want I wouldn't want my boss to hear it. Uh, you know, be called me a moron. So uh, it, it, could, it could be very, very, very. Have your legal department listen to it. I'd get them on the side yeah. with you. Exactly. That's funny. Uh, and this time it was just more sober, more more downtrodden, and look. Is that bearish? Way. Do you think that in itself? Yeah, I mean, look, here are a couple of things that he talked about a lot. He he talked about interest rates, and he talked about how interest rates are obviously really impacting uh, people's decision-making around buying EVs because most of them are financed, and the company, when they adjust prices, they do that in trying to keep the monthly payment for people flat, right? So obviously, as interest rates go up, they have to adjust prices downward uh, to account for the increased cost of financing. So that was a major, major focus on the call. Hmm. Uh, and it's impacted their gross margins quite a bit, more than we thought. And then second, you know, one other thing he talked about a lot is the Cybertruck, which in my opinion is an incredibly exciting vehicle. He really took the opportunity to talk down the production ramp, saying it's going to be very, very hard. Uh, it's going to take a while before they get to full production. And so those are two things that, you know, definitely left a bad taste in people's mouth and relative to other periods where it's very entertaining or upbeat or uh, this was just different. 
And I'm not the only one who picked that up, right? If you read some of the stuff that people are, are saying, it's very similar. Um, the option market, again, got it right. It made a binary call. It either goes up or down about 9%. Uh, uh, as, I, as I last looked, it was actually down about 8%. Uh, holding the 200-day moving average, technical talk. Um, but it's important. It's very, very important because uh, if it breaks some, te- some, some uh, common technical levels, program trading does kick in, especially on a big liquid name like Tesla. Uh, I ask you, do you think it's going to hold these levels or is it going to come under further pressure in the short term, George? And tough, tough question to answer, but uh, come on, you're a smart guy. Uh, I, I try not to focus too much on the short term. I've covered Tesla for many years and um, – Focusing on the short term makes you lose hair, and I just—I don't have any gone. Well, well, neither do I. So, so what happens? I nothing to lose. (laughs) (laughs) Nice. Uh, So, I've tried to focus on the next—you know—at least the next twelve months. And if you look underneath the surface here, uh, there are a lot of really, really, really good things happening at Tesla. You know, one of them, their competitors are going through a strike. And that certainly uh, puts Tesla in a better cost position. Oh, sorry, uh, uh, the EV competitors or the big three? Well, the big three who are trying to make EVs, uh, and you know, I, if you believe that they'll, that puts them in a, in a worse competitive position, which I certainly do. Um, that it's going to make their life more difficult than making EVs. Uh, they will have the, the financial wherewithal to get that done. And so, that this strike is a positive for Tesla positive also for a company like Rivian. Uh, in, in addition to that, Tesla is building out this massive and, and I, I suspect over the long term, uh, incredibly successful AI infrastructure through which uh, they're going to power their vehicles to drive themselves, their full self-driving offering. Only gets better every day. And eventually, that, that same AI uh, that backbone will be used to power uh, they're the robots that they're building, uh, believe it or not. And so this is all happening underneath the surface, and it's only getting better every day, every quarter. So within te- Tesla's silos of business, because, uh, again, this is certainly a lot more than a car company. It is not a car company. It's a tech company. Um, uh, is it the energy storage division that was the standout star of the quarter? Yes. I mean, that's a really good observation. And it was very, very strong. And so with, within that energy storage business, what they do is they take some of the battery packs that they put together and they sell those battery packs to utilities who want to store energy from mostly from solar and renewal and wind projects, meaning that the sun isn't shining and the wind isn't blowing, you're not generating electricity. So what happens is that when, the, when there's a lot of sun, you, you store the extra energy generated, and when there's a lot of wind, you do the same. And in, and in periods where the, there's no generation happening from renewables, you use the excess energy generated, and you store that in your batteries, and you, and you shoot that into the grid. Tesla is one of the leaders in that market. Uh, Fluence, another company we cover, FLNC, also leader in that market. Uh, Amoresco, AMRC, also leader in that market. And uh, that, that should be a positive a leading indicator for those two companies because that, that business continues to do quite strong and the margins were very healthy there too. Uh, George Enriquez, he's an analyst with Canaccord, uh, CG Capital Markets, covering uh, Tesla uh, and sustainability. Uh, we're going to take a commercial break and get back to the show. Jack's going to 
do a little Q&A with George as well. And I'm going to ask him why Morgan Stanley is so much keener on the name than he is. They have a $400 target. Actually, I think Morgan just dropped the target down to $380, whereas your target price is $267, reduced from $293. Um, chat with you about that as well. Uh, stay tuned, my good friends. More show about Kayish right after this. Let's take a break. Wolf and Jack will continue their in-depth discussion about money. You're listening to Hi-Fi Radio on 640 Toronto. Welcome back. It's what it's all about. Well, this show, anyways. Truth be told, it's about you. I'm just helping you have more of it. Keep you out of trouble. Uh, certainly can solve some of your problems as well. Money does solve problems. Uh, indeed. Uh, well, that's what the show likes to focus on. Anyways, it's been our show each and every Saturday here on 640 in Toronto. I'm Wolfgang Klein, Portfolio Manager, working on Bay Street for over uh, 20 years. It's been a quick, quick run, I shall say. Time does fly, but uh, much more time, hopefully, in front of all of us. And uh, welcome to the weekend. George Enriquez is on the line with us. He's a analyst with Canaccord. Uh, we're talking Tesla. It's a position uh, Jack and I have in our Clients' uh, portfolios. Uh, stock was holding in of late. You know, it wasn't breaking out. It was just holding a range. And then uh, quarterly results hit the tape last night. I should say on Wednesday night. And uh, stock down about 8% on Thursday. And the uh, analyst call was quite boring, according to George. Uh, Jack, you uh, spent some time going through George's uh, research. Um, what caught your attention? Honestly, Wolf, the one thing I can't believe out of this whole thing with Tesla is the fact high interest rates are getting the richest man in the world down. Mm. I can't believe it. <laughs> it's supposed to be a common problem for the common person, high interest rates, but it does have a gravitational pull. Well, his customer, his, but his, he, his customers are common yeah. people, so it's affecting his customer base. And It's getting him down, though, Wolf. I can't believe it. It gets his mood down. But uh, looking at Tesla, you go through a research report and they talk about Dojo, obviously the fact of self-driving vehicles, the Cybertruck, energy storage, Optimus, which is the robot that they're developing. Uh, George, all this technology, again, it's an uh, automotive company that really is a technology company. What is the most exciting opportunity uh, within this set that they have here? Uh, we are incredibly positive long term on full self-driving, enabled by AI or machine learning and this big infrastructure that they're building. Look, uh, we recently, a few months ago, initiated on the sector, on full self-driving or the autonomous driving sector. And we initiated on two other companies called Aurora and Mobilize, part of that. And in our view, this is real-world AI, as opposed to stuff like ChatGPT that you know, is uh, not quite real world. And what Tesla is building uh, and what other companies like Mobileye or Aurora are building, 
they're going to change the world in really clear, obvious ways, and uh, by enabling vehicles abroad themselves. And it's going to lead to a much better, safer, uh, less resource-intensive planet. And that's why we think it's a sustainable technology. Why? You know, yeah, go, go through that, George. That, that's bold, and I love it. Um, so please expand upon that. Why will it make the world better if a machine drives me to work rather than myself? Well, because machines are better at it. <laughs> machines, <laughs> machines don't have there, – there will be a lot fewer accidents over time. Uh, there will be road rage. Um, that we can be more productive in our vehicles if, they're not, if we're not driving them. Uh, can I sip? Can I sip a tequila? Absolutely. I could, eh? Uh, totally. Um, eventually, not yet. I don't do it yet. <laughs> I don't want to get you in trouble. Um, the the even if we don't switch to EVs, uh, they're more fuel efficient because uh, the the robots know how to use the gas pedal better than we do. Uh, they're just a, a series of things that are, are much better for the world. You know, safer, more fuel efficient, uh, more less resource intensive. And so one of the big debates that we have is how much will autonomy, once it's fully deployed and ready, have an impact on the desire to buy a vehicle? I mean, there are some studies, I think we quoted in our report, a University of Austin study that, was, that said within the radius that they, uh, uh, they, they decided to analyze, it reduced for every nine vehicles, you, you could use one based on autonomy. In other words, people just decided to rent out their vehicles, or there was one vehicle that took people from place to place to place. You know, right now we use our – our cars are idle over 90% of the time. Yep. Because they're parked. They do nothing. So here's something you spend 50, 40, 30, 60, 70, 100,000 dollars on that just sits there most of the time. Talk about poor resource utilization. Um, and so this, this technology, once it's fully deployed and mastered, it has the ability to truly, truly, truly change the world more than anything I can see on the horizon. Really? That, that, that's pretty fascinating. And, you know, again, I, uh, I love traveling at uh, this stage of life. Um, you know, I'm still working, so my health insurance is covered. That's very important, by the way, friends. Uh, if you retire and you want to start to travel, uh, be careful. Health insurance unto itself can be prohibitive or very, very costly. Just another reason to stay gainfully employed. Maybe, you know, on your terms. It's all about your terms. Um, but airplanes, it, it, we may forget or may not be informed that, in fact, when you fly, it is a machine landing that bird 99% of the time. The pilot pushes the button and it just lines it all up. Uh, the pilot's hands are there uh, if need be, i.e. that problem they had with Boeing when their plane was self-correcting, the pilot was fighting the machine, and we know who won that, by the way. Um, uh, or if apparently I spoke to pilot, he said, if it gets into Category 3 or worse, then the pilot has to land the plane. Um, so w- tell me something. Autonomous driving or um, autopilot for a airplane, what do you think is easier to accomplish and we've had perfected autopilot and landing an airplane so we've accomplished that feat but what's it what's a bigger challenge do you think george from an engineering point of view i have to say autonomous driving with all the dingbats out totally there. you know one totally i mean elon musk has called it the <laughs> most difficult problem to solve in human history come on think about all the it just yeah he's that's one of his quotes i mean think about it you're trying to navigate an environment with humans with cars with in nature, I mean, when you're when you're landing a plane, I'm no expert necessarily on autonomous uh, 
flying, but it's a lot easier, right? I mean, you're obviously there are elements you have to contend with, but you're not dodging other planes for the most part, right? So this is it's a much different problem, and you're trying to navigate and, and, and create software that can navigate in an environment that's been built uh, by humans for humans, right? So it's a, it's completely different and, and much more difficult, and there's so many variables being thrown at you that it's oh, it's a very very uh, interesting problem to solve it. And there are companies trying to do it a different way, right? So Tesla has is using a camera only approach and end to end neural networks, which means that they've decided to take an approach where there's no software being written. In other words, the vehicles that Tesla will eventually have on the road that are full self-driving will learn how to drive themselves. They're going to take visual cues from the camera and all the data that they've built up over the past and learn on their own how to navigate. So each vehicle is going to self-teach? Correct. Each vehicle will self-teach. So Jack's vehicle is going to teach it how to drive according to Jack's style. That probably worked well with you and Kate. That worked well with you and Kate. No. no, that would screw you right <laughs> up. Back up. So be a problem. If it's, that, tell me, so why would that be a problem, Jack? Well, very, if, if you drove Kate's vehicle. I don't think that's what George is saying, though. I think that what he's saying is that the vehicles are going to teach themselves. So the collective group. Is, 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 how is it group or individual, George, do you think? That's, that's right. No, it's, it, so Jack's right. Oh. The vehicle is leveraging. Oh. Because you know, he always tells me his, his wife is you know, pretty aggressive on the road. He's pretty passive. That, that, that would sort of screw you up, eh? Passive getting into aggressive vehicle. <laughs> but that, that, that's the point that George is making, that humans on the road are very unpredictable. That's a, a major issue because yep. these computers are based on predictability. Yep. So to be able to account for that, that is the true challenge. Because you know that the machines wow. are better, right? They have better attention, better vision, better reaction. I was thinking about the bionic man. I saw a picture of him and the bionic woman uh, on Instagram in the back of a limousine. And it was a then and now picture. But that just made me reflect on the television show, uh, which became reality. One of them had a bionic eye. I'm not sure if it was uh, uh, the $6 million man or his girlfriend. One had a bionic eye. He's lined the music. It was... It was brilliant. You guys know what I'm talking about. It was almost as good as uh, the Flintstones and uh, some tomato soup and grilled cheese. Anyways, I digress. Uh, George Inarikis, uh, an analyst with Canaccord, talking Tesla stock. A uh, little bit of a skid. A little fender bender uh, on Wall Street. Fortunately, the market wasn't expecting a whole lot, but actually delivered a little less than low expectation. Not good. Getting some analyst downgrade. Not good. I'm long the stock off about 11%. Not good. Uh, I got some problems, but the good news, the good news is it's not all in Tesla. No, diversity helps. Oh, it helps a whole lot. Uh, George, just for fun, if you don't mind, um, you can sort of take your analyst hat off if you want. Okay, take that, take the analyst hat off just for a second. And let me just ask you, you deal with a lot of institutional money managers. They call you, pension funds, hedge funds, they call you and pick your brain because you're the expert on Tesla. You know more than the portfolio manager does about Tesla. Um, what kind of mood are you feeling institutional level right here, right now? Bullish, bearish, um, thrown in the towel, uh, giddy about oil, I don't know. What message are you getting back from Wall Street? I think what people are trying to figure out is what the true growth rate is for Tesla. You know, this is a growth company, and uh, you, it's not necessarily that attractive on 2023 earnings because they've been impacted by gross margin reduction. And so people are trying to establish what's the you know true multi-year growth rate for the firm, and what is the true you know appropriate steady-state gross margin to apply. 
And there are lots of reasons to get excited about the long term. And I think people are trying to figure that out, particularly in the case where, you know, Elon Musk, the CEO, came out yesterday and said, right now we're being, basically we're being impacted by the interest rate environment. How long does that last? When will we get out of it? How permanent is the damage to auto, you know, general auto demand? These are all questions people are trying to contend with. And, and we're going to find out together. Certainly the tone. <laughs> yeah, you said it funny, funny there, George. That was funny. You should pause me and say something funny like that so we can laugh with you. <laughs> uh, no, sorry, what was that line again? It was so quick. We're going to find out together. That's oh, right. We're going to find out together. That's good. Yeah. World's coming to end, but don't worry. We'll, we'll, we'll be there together. Right? George, I can't thank you enough for your time. Um, stabilization, you think, or lower short term? I know you don't want to focus on it. I'm going to, throw, I'm going to prime you again for that question. What do you think? I, I'm going to focus on the next uh, 12 months, and like we do with our price target, the stock will be higher. Okay. That's good. Good for you. You stuck to your guns. Respect, man. Uh, you're a good guy. Thanks for your time, George. Um, have fun, and uh, hopefully we can get some um, uh, color uh, commentary uh, or comedic uh, from uh, Elon. Why don't you probe him a little bit, prime him a little bit? Just come on. And maybe, 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 maybe you can be blessed with be being. You can be blessed with being called a moron. That'd be that'd be really really cool. If you listen to the call yesterday, he did actually laugh at something I said. Uh, I asked the question. I coached it. Yeah, so Congratulations. That's cool. So you actually asked yeah. Elon Musk a question. He answered your question? That's like touching God. What was the question? You have to share it with the listeners. Uh, I wanted to ask them uh, whether or not there's some press reports that Tesla is using radar and in some of its, or has radars in Optum in uh, some of its vehicles in China. And if you remember what I said, they're using a camera-only approach to full self-driving. And if they use radar, it kind of go against what they've talked about. And my question was, because like, look, uh, there are press reports that are reporting this, and we all know how perilous it could be to trust press reports, but can you please answer the question? And when I said that part, he had a chuckle, because clearly... Were you nervous, by the way? Were you nervous asking the question? Were you trembling a little bit? Uh, no. Good for you. Deep breath. Just you know, come on. Let's go, big guy. I can I can handle you. I was. <laughs> eh? oh, so I really hope he's going to spar with uh, Zuckerberg because uh, there was there was some talk they were going to spar in the Coliseum. What a spectacle that would have been. Uh, and I think I think Elon would have won. I don't know. I think he would have won. He's about twice the size. Just a little snow. Jack. No, my buddy's on. Oh, that would have been great. That would have been great. The option market would have loved it. The oh my god, the, the, that that would have been bettable. That would the, the betting industry. They it would, it would. What do you think, George? The betting industry would have been all over that, eh? Oh my! It would have been the, the most watched uh, thing ever, television event ever, I believe. Wow, my friend. A pleasure. I want to thank you. Uh, we're going to uh, connect in with uh, John Johnston after the break. Uh, chief strategist with Davis Ray, great friend of mine. Love him. Uh, very uh, you know steady hand. Uh, very smart man. Uh, you're going to spend some time with us. Stay tuned. Don't go anywhere. There's more Hi-Fi Radio in a moment on 640 Toronto. You're listening to a paid commercial program. Unless otherwise identified, guests on the program are employees of or otherwise represent the advertiser. The opinions expressed therein are those of the advertiser and do not necessarily reflect the views and policies of Chorus Entertainment. Welcome back. Why not just go down? Hang out. 
to the show. I'm Wolfgang Klein, Portfolio Manager. Um, Jack and I are very proud of the work that we do for our clients. Uh, we were nominated uh, through Pure Mathematics uh, as the top portfolio management team within Canaccord. It's a company that runs coast to coast. Uh, so to be number one, I'll take it. Uh, and I think we are there because we hang out with some really smart people, way smarter than moi, we'll see anyways. Uh, John Johnston, uh, I used to work with him at one of the big banks, uh, quickly became friends, used to hang out in what was called the green room back in television days. Remember the television guys, uh, things that you <laughs> plug a cable into and sit around on the couch with your family? Remember those? It's, uh, I remember the radio, not. I remember sitting around, people used to sit around a radio, uh, at least so they show us in television shows, eh? sitting around the radio, hearing about the war and the Queen's speech. Yeah, Queen's speech. Anyways, John Johnson, <laughs> he's with uh, Davis Ray, uh, strategist, uh, semi-retired, uh, working on his terms. Uh, how many years have you logged on Bayes? Did you, you, did you manage to get 40 years in, John? Uh, 89, 1989 till now, so no. Um, no, so you're 34 years, I guess, eh? you got six years yeah. to go. Six yeah, years that, for 40. Yeah, wow. I ended up doing a PhD, so that's... Oh, you started late, right, off. the PhD. That'll do the trick, just keep you in school for another 10 years. Yeah. Well, for anyways. PhD in what? Economics. Economics. We um, we had uh, former Prime Minister Stephen Harper uh, at our conference. Um, I never liked him as a guy, as a politician. I, I just couldn't get my head around um, his stiffness, so to speak. Sorry, sorry, folks, but I just be honest. But and economically, very sound. Hey, Jack, and Jack, I know you're going to agree with me. I don't even need to ask you. I, I want to ask you, uh, John Johnston, you know, you got a little flower power in you. Um, you're, you're a man. I think you've seen the Grateful Dead more than anyone else I know, with the exception of one old producer at CFY Radio. I think uh, he saw him saw them sixty times. Did you flirt with eighty eighty visits to uh, the Dead, or are you no, below sixty? No, I would say probably, including some of the solo acts, thirty five maybe. Yeah, that's this guy. He's the only other guy who, who did you. Um, yeah. Did, did you have a Volkswagen van with a couple of stickers on it? No, never. Never had one of those, eh? I drove one of those new Volkswagen vans on the Autobahn. My wife said it was like a plumber's vehicle. <laughs> Could barely get above 140K. Uh, it was diesel, of course. Um, anyways, I was just thinking about, uh, you know, the, the, that, that cool van really uh, had its roots in the, the hippie movement and the Volkswagen Beetle. It revolutionized travel. Remember those cool vans in the 70s? You know, bump, those bumper stickers, if this van's a rocking, don't come a knocking. You can uh, still rent those in uh, New Zealand. They have a special deal for young folks. They can rent kind of a... With the Chevys or the VWs? The VWs. Oh, the VWs. Yeah, the real ones. Yeah. That'd be cool. But pretty, they were small, actually. They were very small inside. And I remember when watching guys in the 70s, uh, I was just a little kid, but when some cool, you know, 20-something bought a van, he's like, okay, now I'm going to do the interior. Look out. Went to Canadian Tower, got some plywood, put it on the floor. Out comes the shag carpet, make the little bed, the little bar. What were they thinking? Anyways, it's, uh, life goes on. Life does go on. Um... Funky times. Uh, once again, every year there's funk. And uh, I promise the listener, next year is going to be a different year. Promise. It's going to be different next year. That was the but, prediction last year. I know. Wolf, we, pre- you we, know predicted well. true. we predicted well. This year is going to be different. Um, you know, slightly better than last year, market-wise. Uh, oil. The world loves oil. Um, that's working. Uh, anything energy-related is going higher. Technology 
working to a degree. Parts of it are starting to stumble and fumble. Um, semiconductors taking it on the chin as uh, America says, sorry, China, you can't have our latest and greatest uh, artificial intelligence chips. Uh, but you want some Coke, we'll sell you the Coke. We're good. We're going to sell you some Coke and some burgers. Burgers and fries you can have, but you can't have our AI chips yet. Don't get those chips. Trust me, Jack. Um, uh, but the, really what's driven markets this year is the same thing that drove markets last year, and that is the bond market. Interest rates, inflation, it's all one and the same. Uh, John Johnston, you being the economist, you must have a very uh, articulate and intelligent view on the world of interest rates. Bond market down three years in a row. Uh, please give us your prediction. Uh, when are peak rakes, Pete rakes in? Uh, and your view on the bond market next year and the stock market to go with it? Yeah, well... I kind of start from how I think the economy is going to evolve and all the leading indicators, most notably the yield curve, the U.S. Treasury yield curve, the difference between the 10-year Treasury note yield and the uh, three-month T-bill yield. Uh, That yield curve has been inverted for quite a number of months now, uh, and it's been significantly inverted. It's one of the larger inversions that we've seen through history, and that inevitably creates the potential for some form of economic um, downturn or certainly, you know, a lot of credit stresses. So uh, I think the evolution of the yield curve tells me to be very cautious on the economic outlook for the U.S., uh, Canada, and the global economies next year. Um, you know, it certainly is taking a little longer to bite uh, than a lot of people expected, but we're still well within the range of traditional lags. Between 100%. The, between the time the curve inverts i.e. the three-month T-bill yield goes above the 10-year yield, so short rates above long rates. Uh, you know, I think that there's some difficulty ahead, and that you know, bodes poorly for uh, corporate profits, and it suggests the equity market is it's going to be different next year, and it may not be, probably won't be as bad as 2022, certainly won't be nearly as good as 2023, and you know, I think the market's struggling a bit. John Johnston, chief strategist uh, with brokerage firm... Um Wealth management firm Davis Ray Limited used to work with him at the bank. Uh, continues to focus on markets uh, on his terms, which is great. Uh, John, that was excellent, uh, an excellent uh, summary. We're going to talk a little bit more about the bond market. Uh, going to pay some bills, play a few sponsored notes. Friends, do do support the sponsors as they sponsor the show. And we get to help you have more wealth and bring on great guests like John Johnston. Uh, quick break, get right back to Hi-Fi Radio, 640 Toronto. Want to make more money? Stay tuned for more Hi-Fi Radio on 640 Toronto. You're listening to a paid commercial program. Unless otherwise identified, guests on the program are employees of or otherwise represent the advertiser. The opinions expressed therein are those of the advertiser and do not necessarily reflect the views and policies of Chorus Entertainment. Welcome back. Bringing on my favorite baby boomer, John Johnston. Do you ever see the Beatles, John? No, just uh, on TV. The uh, Harold Ballard was a, a character. And apparently when they played the Toronto show at Maple Leaf Gardens, uh, he sold, I think, two days of tickets when, in fact, the band was only booked for one. Um, and he also told the band to get on stage late 
turn the heat up so he could sell more Coke. <laughs> <laughs> what a character. But yeah, they uh, they played their show in Maple Leaf Gardens. Uh, that would have certainly been fun to see. And yes, here, no. Yeah, indeed. Uh, John Johnston, uh, chief strategist, a uh, firm called Davis Ray. Uh, he's an economist, PhD. Uh, he's really just passionate about the the business passionate about markets and markets are very, very fascinating, but they can bring you down every now and then, but you don't let us down, John, with your wisdom. And so you're liking the bond market. And that's actually very interesting advice. And uh, certainly there is an alternative now for stocks. There was no alternative for a decade. Um, if you want to invest your money, uh, 2% wasn't working for most people. They began buying stocks that they never ever in their lives dreamed of buying. And uh, they got comfortable with it and put more money into equities and more money into equities. And, uh, well, uh, money is now looking certainly at the bond market. Uh, we have an amazing uh, GIC desk at Canaccord. Uh, we're able to offer, I think, more variety of, of, of rate, uh, better CDIC insurance, uh, uh, provincial insurance with some uh, of the offerings that we have. But we're able to certainly offer yield because the key is don't buy a GIC beyond what it's insured for, period. Uh, you could get stung. Uh, um, so don't do it. Do not buy beyond insured GIC. So therefore, you need multiple ins- uh, insurers, multiple offers to build a proper portfolio. Um, but John, truth be told, GICs aren't nearly as good as bonds in many facets. Bonds are safer. Bonds are liquid. Um, uh, this rate environment, I was joking with Jack. I said, Jack, what we could do is just sell all of our stocks, all of them across the book, uh, buy a five-year GIC, lock it in, make five and a quarter percent for clients, and speak to them in five years. Nothing to do. They're all locked into GIC, and they're making five and a quarter points. <laughs> what do you think of that idea? You asking me that? Yeah, yeah, just for fun. You know, maybe for you know, on a tw- you know, I would say you know, maybe that would make sense on a one year view, but I don't think beyond one year. You know, the good answer. Equities yeah. have a long tradition of going up over time with mm-hmm. intermittent blowouts. And corrections. Two to one. It's two, stocks over bonds, two to one. Stocks yeah, and, up uh, stocks up ten, bonds up five. Nine, four and a half. Pick your number, right, John? Yeah. And uh but no free I, lunch. I think, no I think free that lunch. balance is better now. Um, you know, because you could build a I agree. portfolio of, of of quality corporates, uh, although I'd be slower getting into corporates than into governments because of my views. But uh, you know, sixty forty or seventy thirty or sixty five thirty five, those types of portfolios have, have come back to life. And, uh, you know, it's certainly something to be looking at. But uh, one of the problems that, you know, I've always heard and my experience suggests that it's true is that you don't sell everything because you've got a good chance of being wrong all the time. And people get out and they don't get back in. The worst thing to do is be out and not get back in. It's so hard. John, we we can speak to we are, for lack of a better phrase, blue in the face. Um, People don't realize how difficult it is to get back in because people are now dealing with their own ego and they get out and the market goes down for three days. So they say, see, I was right. Market went lower and then goes down maybe a couple more days. And then they're further right. Then it turns and goes higher. And now it's actually above where they exited. Oh, it'll come back down and it goes higher. Oh, it'll come back down and it goes higher and they're out. They don't know what to do and they don't get back in on it. And, and if they do, they often get back in at the wrong time after it pushes even higher back in with some money and then it rolls. So, ah, I knew it. And now they are getting whipsawed. We've learned this, hey, Jack. We, we it's don't, confirmation we, bias. We, no, we've, we've learned basically time on the water, keep them in the game. 
Absolutely. It's confirmation bias that clients have. So they, they have a thesis and if it starts to play out, they, they believe their thesis even more as opposed to saying, you know what, the, the stock market is down now. There's an opportunity, right? So yep. people look for safety. They want safety with the stock market. Unfortunately, you have to be uncomfortable to make money in the stock market. But you can certainly get some safety now, again, by lending money to governments and making yourself slightly north of 5%. And again, you are going to get more in the United States than you will in Canada. U.S. bonds are paying about 100 basis points or 1% more than Canadian bonds. Some that knocked the market down this week as well, again, was just a clean headline. U.S. 30-year mortgage eclipses 8 I said 8 percent market didn't like that um that, that, that's a big big round number uh jj um again i have to ask you uh, interest rate hike cycle mortgage hike cycle when is it going to end you gotta think we're getting somewhere with it but markets can remain irrational longer than you and i can remain solvent that's right and uh you know basically we say the bond market looks attractive so uh you don't want to it's risky to be early buying a longer duration asset where you can, you know, where upward drift in yields has a bigger impact on price and return. That's why kind of the two to five, two to six year, seven year part of the curve looks better because it has less interest rate sensitivity. It's more under the influence of the central bank. The central bank interest rate moves, their, their movements in short term rates have a much bigger impact on shorter term bond yields. Uh, much less of an impact on longer term. And uh, I think we're getting pretty close or we're at the point where central banks aren't going to raise rates anymore. You make, you know, you're, you're saying a lot of interesting things here, John. Sorry to, to, to interrupt you, but I, I want to help the audience out. Number one, for friends at home, uh, inverted yield curve. John spoke about that. Short-term interest rates are higher than long-term interest rates. That means, again, short-term rates higher than long-term interest rates. Why is that a problem? Because banks um, pay at the short end of the curve and land at the longer end of the curve, which means if every additional loan a bank puts on, if they have to pay more than they're receiving, they're not making money, they're losing money. So it's a way of stopping banks from lending money. It's called drying up the system, taking liquidity cash out of the system. Just try and get a mortgage today and you know, watch how much less uh, you can borrow. Um, in terms of the, uh, the, the yield curve, friends, you, you can buy a bond anywhere from uh, a one-day bond, uh, an overnight treasury, to a 30-year bond. And interesting, so you're saying the central bank can affect the one- to seven-year part of the bond curve. Beyond that, it's the market that's driving the change in interest rates, uh, the, tw- the eight-year bond to the 30-year bond is the market. And it's the market that's actually been pushing up the long yields. You've been paying attention to that, Jack, recently. The, the bond market is, is flattening the curve, is it not, JJ, which is actually helping build the story that the rate hike cycle is almost over. Yep. And remember, too, the Fed is liquidating, well, it's basically running down its portfolio of bonds. So it's uh, an important buyer that's not in the market anymore. It's now maturing its issues, and it's not reinvesting the money. So uh, there's more supply coming in, and that uh, is putting upward pressure on bond yields as well. John Johnston, I want to wish you a lovely weekend, my friend. Uh, Chief strategist with Davis Ray Investment Management. Good friend of mine, very smart. Jack, as always, my friend, great job lining up the guests and your brilliance uh, during the show. want to thank you all and remind you, 
that I'm here for you. Any questions, please don't hesitate to reach out. Have a great weekend. You've been listening to Hi-Fi Radio with Wolfgang Klein and Jack Hardhill, Portfolio Managers at Canaccord Genuity Wealth Management. For questions about today's show or any questions about money, email Wolf and Jack at WolfgangKlein.com. Hi-Fi Radio, for the love of money. Join us again next week. The preceding was a paid commercial program. Unless otherwise identified, the guests on the program are employees of or otherwise represent the advertiser. The opinions expressed therein are those of the advertiser and do not necessarily reflect the views and policies of Chorus Entertainment.